You're listening to The Patriot Cause with Bud Cornwell, United States Marine Corps, retired standing guard on the Wall of Freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. Great Patriots America, this is the Gunny and the Patriot Cause. Thank you very much for listening to us today. I got a very special guest, unique guest. I've never had an individual on the podcast like Brian is today. He is a financial advisor. Yeah, okay. So we all have those financial advisor people in our lives. But I'm telling you, what the research that I did with Brian and his organization, because he's the founder of the Coderna Financial Team. So his name is Brian Coderna, and he's here with us as a certified financial planner to help us understand what's going on and, of course, promote his new book that is coming out, What Do I Do With My Money?, which I think is very important for all of us. So welcome, Brian. Glad to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me, bud. I'm happy to be on the show. Awesome. Okay, so let's think about this. Why financial? What drove you into this world to become a a financial advisor? Because a lot of people are going, you know, that's, I don't have any clue what all that's about. So help (laughs) us out here. Yeah. And it's funny. I mean, you know, growing up, it's something I never thought I would have been doing, but, uh, you know, in school, like none of the normal subjects of geometry or biology, stuff like that really resonated. I was always a good student, but, you know, didn't know if I was going the college route or not. Um, entertained being a chef, you know, going to culinary school. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then one thing led to another, uh, you know, my dad worked for the army in the department of defense and always had a little interest in law enforcement. So long story short, I was all set to go to George Mason university, uh, which had really a, a pipeline to DC and, and maybe get a government job. And then in the 11th hour, got a nice scholarship from the university of Tampa and, mm. uh, ended up going there and pursuing business. And, you know, make even longer story longer, um, you know, I ended up transferring to the College of New Jersey and I interviewed actually with the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency. And um, when I was speaking with one of the guys there, he said, you know, we're all about following the money. All the bad guys, all they want at the end of the day is money. So we follow where the money goes. That's huge. And I was a marketing major. He said, you got to switch into finance and then we could talk. So right then and there, I went and I changed my major to finance. And uh, lo and behold, I ended up getting an internship in between with a financial advising company. And I always liked the idea of being an entrepreneur and being able to coach people and teach people with their money, help them out. And so it kind of all folded together. And uh, that was in 2008 and just been doing this ever since. Well, that's awesome. Uh, You're talking about D.C. Uh, When I retired from the Marine Corps, I became a government contractor lived in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Okay. You know, worked worked for many many days as a contractor and then I became a government civilian. Mm-hmm. You know, so I know all about the government, been there, done that kind of thing, yep. but um 
the thing the the thing that gets me about uh, when people talk about the government and DC and all that kind of stuff is it is um, it's a world of its own, and a lot of people don't understand that. I'm not saying it's bad or good or different. It's just a different place uh, that's on this planet that we can explain. Because no matter where you go, you're not going to see, you know, what happens in DC. Yeah. So I'm very experienced with that. And Mm -hmm. from my personal experience, I think you did the right choice. (laughs) You know, going down to Tampa and say, okay, you know, do this. And then you go in the financial world, which is very important for all of us to do that. And last but not least, I'm going to tell you this. I was a Marine. I was also a Marine drill instructor. Mm -hmm. So I I train Marines to become Marines. So it's the same thing. It's just a different type of function. Right. Yeah. But you're doing the same thing. You're teaching people how to handle the finances, you know, and and using that experience. I use my military experience to do the same type of, of process. So yep. tell us about your book and, sure. you know, how. Well, first off, when I ask people, when you write a book. How, how do you do that? Right. <laughs> I've been trying for 20 years and it's still, you know, sitting there on my computer, but yeah, uh, some people have no problem doing that, but yeah, so you wrote a book. Why did you want to do this? And what is your goal with that book? Sure. So to kind of the, the genesis, if we go all the way back to the beginning, you know, I always liked writing. Um, you know, I wrote for our school paper in high school. I was the sports editor. Um, you know, I managed our paper in college. So I always knew that was in the back of my mind as I started building my business. And then in 2016, I came out with my first book, which was called Millennial Millionaire. And it was kind Mm. of like a, a, you know, catchy name, but it was a crash course on finance, particularly for young professionals. And I was able to take the, you know, the passion for writing and merge it with some of my business sense and also use that for marketing and the like. Uh, So that was kind of like my first entree to to writing uh, an actual novel. And then everybody was asking, you know, you're going to come out with a sequel, a part two. We had this pandemic. The economy's been crazy. So much to talk about. And so I teamed up with McGraw-Hill, you know, got a major publisher, and they wanted a really comprehensive book. And so that's where I wrote, What Should I Do With My Money?, which was about two years of research. And really what I try and do is look at, you know, every aspect of the economy. And economics affects all of our decision making from you know, where you want to live, where you want to go out for dinner tonight to where are we going to buy our oil from or how we negotiate with China on something. All these have economic, you know, motives and then economic consequences. And so that's what I really try and lay out for everybody so that, in you know, 250 pages, they could read a book and say, okay, I get it. I understand how our country ended up here. I understand what the challenges are, but what the opportunities are. And now that we're a little more informed, we can start to kind of take control of our situation. Oh, absolutely. So here, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. The majority of the people in the United States are not these, uh, what you would call comfortably rich people mm-hmm. that can invest or whatever. Those of us that do invest or do, you know, try to understand what's going on is we're taking very hard-earned money and trying to turn it around the stocks, bonds, gold, silver, whatever it is, right? So my question to you is, have you 
experience, have you talked with these type of people that are, are not really sure about how to do that? Is that something that was incorporated in your book? Yeah, it, it is. And that's kind of the point of the book is we want to look at both financial literacy of, you know, just and that's what the last chapter is, actually, is like, gotcha. how to now, now that you understand the world and the economics, how do I manage my own money? How much should I save? How much should I have in the bank? Should I pay my credit card? You know, where do I start investing? So we hit a lot of that. But really, and that's kind of what my first book, Millennial Millionaire, spent time on. Okay. But the crux of this book, so I, I explore these nine domains of economics. We start with population. All right. So kind of what, uh, you know, how have we grown so, so tremendously over the past 150 years, but our world mm. is still the same exact size. Right. right? So how do now 8 billion of us kind of cohabitate this planet? Then we get into, you know, well, what's the, the fabric of America from a financial standpoint? We have entitlements, you know, we have enormous expenses tied to Social Security and Medicare. How are we going to keep these things going, you know, as retirees depend on them? Right. Absolutely. And we get into education, you know, the whole educational system, the good and bad there. We talk economics, environment, tech, you know, religion and war and all these different things that tie into kind of what builds each of these economies and these nations. And then we bring it back to the financial planning of ultimately, what should I do with my money? And so to answer your question, you know, yeah, we've worked with the rich and famous, you know, with millions and millions, and millions. And then folks just starting out saying, hey, you know, I want to save 100 bucks a month, uh, which is awesome. And you got to start somewhere. And right. frankly, it's the habit that savings habit is more important than the actual where of where the money goes. And I often kind of like, you know, correlate health and wealth. I would rather see somebody say, you know, I, I try and work out five times a week for an hour, go for a walk, and I try and follow the food pyramid. I'll take that any day over the person that's studying health up the wazoo and they never, hit, <laughs> you know, they never gone to the gym in their right. life. Exactly. You know, the habit is what's so key. And it's the same thing with finance. Yeah, absolutely. The thing about it is, okay, so I don't want to tell you my age because you could probably look at it. But <laughs> when I was going to school, there was no such thing as you know, schools teaching you anything to do with finances you know, checkbook, any of that stuff. If it didn't come from your parents on how to prepare yourself when you got out of school, then you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's really the, the bottom line of it. But yeah. I think I think talking to millennials, talking to uh, college individuals getting ready to graduate, they have a lot better understanding, yeah. I think, today of how the situation is associated with finances of their lives. Yeah. Right. Now, a lot of them are like, you know, I got this big debt, you know, college loans or whatever. I have two children, both of them been to college. Mm -hmm. My daughter is an architect in Charlotte. Okay. Right. So she had and still has student loans and all that stuff. But she went into at that time into a, a career field that is is paying off. You know, sure. and and work. My son went to Virginia Tech, and he okay. graduated with a uh, sociology degree. Mm -hmm. But then he got his MBA, and now same thing. He's co constantly focusing on finances, how to shift money, whether it's uh, 
Bitcoin or or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think I think this is what uh, all of us, even you know, people in my age, need to understand how this financial world works, mm-hmm. because just because I throw a check in, you know, and put money in the savings, which is not like it used to be, you know, mm-hmm. when you when you start doing that. So how do we balance that financial uh, aspect of us? And the other part of this is I'm not necessarily worried about me. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about, you know, what am I going to produce for my children, property, those kind of things, so that they don't have to, you know, struggle and, and live with life because I failed to do financial stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's where a lot of it is going back to basics. You know, I, I I always tell people, you don't have to overcomplicate it just because you see some elaborate, complicated plan doesn't mean that that's the right one, that that's somehow smarter. You know, it it comes back to just like I I talk about micro economies and macro economies at the end of the day, it's inflows and outflows you know, in in inputs and outputs, are we saving more than we spend? You know, that's something every household says we better do that or else we're going to run into trouble. And then we even go up to the macro level. We look at a country, you know, do we save more than we spend? Right now we look at America, that is certainly not the case. And so that's that's something that we need to be concerned about because, you know, I, I always like to kind of put that, you know, make the connection between the micro and the macro And, uh, you know, when has the most powerful nation not also been the wealthiest? All right. Right. They always seem to go hand in hand. So it's something that just like a household needs financial literacy, the country does too. And if we just spend recklessly, that never really has a good ending. Um, So that's why I wanted to write this book so bad. That's why I try and go into so so much depth, but also make it relatable and, uh, you know, just, you know, like you mentioned with your kids and what I tell a lot of young folks is there's a difference between rich and wealthy. You know, the, the rich person really, you know, works really hard and they make a lot of money, but the wealthy person works real hard and then their money makes a lot of money. And mm. so that's what we try and get to is, you know, how can we be efficient? Cause we're working hard. Let's not just waste it. You know, let's get to the point where we can be financially independent at some point. And, and that comes through, you know, having a sound plan, you know, that you adhere to over the long haul. Oh, absolutely. And the thing about uh, finances that I learned, mm-hmm. let's go back to 2007, 2008, 2009, right? Government employee, 401k, all of that stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. sitting here watching every month, losing five, ten, twelve thousand $12,000 a month out of my 401k because yeah. of the market and all that kind of stuff. Now, a lot of people would go, oh, you know, they would just lose their mind. Yeah. And, and and I know my audience understands what I'm talking about going, I don't get it. You know, I work so hard, put that money in there. And then all of a sudden uh, it's, it's being drained by mm-hmm. the economy. That's really how it works out. Yeah. But I've learned over time through that process, right? Hey, you, you, you can't look at finance today. Yeah. You have to look at it when, you know, when you're at a point getting ready to retire, there's got to be some kind of goal that you're going to, exactly. to be able to, to be able to understand how to get to that point, yeah. uh, whether, you know, whether good times, bad times or whatever. And that's, I think the, 
what yep. we're trying to do. Exactly. And, and that's what I, you know, talk with a lot of folks about, let's say if you look at the stock market, or you look at the real estate market, you know, both of them, like you alluded to, took a huge hit in 2008. And people if if they were kind of new to investing in either or kind of uh, now starting to pay attention a little bit more, they were likely freaking out, they, they may have even panicked and God forbid sold, you know, at a loss at a low, which is right. the last thing you want to do. So what I always tell people is when you get into these longstanding assets like real estate or the stock market, you know, fortunately over the past hundred years, they've appreciated tremendously. Now, has it been a straight line? No, absolutely no. not. You know, it, it, you have some bumps in the road, you know, but fortunately we have more ups than downs. And then, you know, some of the downs have been severe, like 2008 or even, you know, last year, for instance, wasn't exactly right. too good. So if you look at a small snapshot in time, that's sometimes where, you know, it's almost like if you went out for pizza and, and you just went to some terrible restaurant, it was the worst pie in the world. Do you just say like, okay, you know, pizza's disgusting. I'm never going to have it again. No, you had one bad experience. That doesn't mean you can write off or make a, just a blanket judgment on the entire field. It's right. similar with finance. You got to keep that broad perspective and kind of like you mentioned that long-term vision that okay, you know, yeah, we might have some ups and downs, but if I don't need this money for 20 years or for 10 years, then we can kind of stay the course. Now, if you do need that money, if you're dependent on it this year or next, you probably want to look at yeah. a totally different allocation, you know? Right. That's different. When, yeah. when you're, um, you know, you lose your job or whatever the situation is where, uh, which many people have been involved in, especially mm -hmm. like you're talking about over the last couple of years. Uh, if if you were part of this investment process, mm -hmm. uh, you probably felt more comfortable with, you know, the fact that, okay, I'm, I'm losing my job. I, I have time to follow another one, but there's a lot of people yeah. that, it, you know, this economy just took them down yeah, and they didn't have any, any other. So the next thing you know, you know, everything's getting, uh, they can't pay their bills. They're being repossessed houses, cars, you know, those yeah. kind of things. Yeah. And but, those are you know, terrible scenarios to hear about, but, you know, yeah. and some of them are, are inevitable and that's unfortunate, but a lot of them were preventable if we yeah. had been, you know, kind of keeping our eye on the ball and uh, you know, staying prepared um, then you shouldn't have to be in that situation. I always say that, finance and emotions never mix well. So the way that you can kind of take emotions out of the equation is, you know, by staying liquid, by having a plan and knowing that, okay, we can adapt and we can kind of weather these ups and downs. If we don't, if we put all our eggs in one basket and it's a risky one, then unfortunately some of those things are bound to happen. Right. And, and I learned earlier what I mean, this is like 2013, uh, I decided that I wanted to get a financial counselor person, mm -hmm. right? Okay. So I went with Edward Jones, you know, that those kind of things. So, but at least now I'm attached to somebody mm -hmm. that not only explains to me what's going on, yeah, but gives me an honest opinion about what's going to happen if you don't do X, Y, Z, you know? Yep. And unfortunately, those of us that live in, what I consider the old days of just throwing money in a savings account and, and those kind of things. Well, it's going to be difficult and yeah. in your time frame because 
especially, you know, the, you have these banks that are failing. If you got your money in those banks, you know, there's yeah. no tell. I mean, a bank can destroy a person overnight. It's just yeah. like your money's gone. Yeah. So and I, I think we know, have a lot of, you know, safety measures in place, you know, where it, what you said can happen, you know, anything can happen, but there's a lot right. of things we've done to, you know, prevent, you know, 1929 from happening again. Right. Um, but that's why I try and, you know, educate people a lot. And then I also let them know, you know, get a, just a frame of reference and then it's okay to ask for help or to work with a professional, like you mentioned. Uh, and I, I often encourage people to look for a CFP, a certified financial planner, because that yes. is kind of like the gold standard of our, our industry. You know, there's a lot of education, a lot of experience that goes into actually getting that. Uh, and you have to be a fiduciary and, you know, have a whole ethical standard and so forth. So it is important because that is a big decision of like, who am I going to rely on with my life savings? You know, that's, uh, that, that that's not a light conversation. Um, so it's, you want to get someone that you can connect with, that you feel comfortable with, you could talk with, and that has, you know, a certain pedigree. And uh, one other thing I wanted to point to that I really, again, underscores how important this is. If you look at right now, people retiring, the number one source of retiree income is social security. Yes. Number two is defined benefit pensions. All right. Defined benefit pensions save for, you know, maybe government employees, your police officer, or teachers, those are really starting to kind of go by the wayside. And we also see on the social security front, how much, you know, pressure that system's under. So the third leg of that stool is investing the 401k, the IRA, you know, what we call defined contribution plans, meaning, you know, what you contributed, and now you're kind of in the driver's seat. So more and more of this responsibility is being taken from the government and the big employer and put onto the individual. And so when that's the case, you do have to get in the know or else you're just going to be at kind of the whim of what the economy is doing. Yep. And, and you have different aspects when we talked about social security, for instance, right? I'm old school. Like we know paid in social security my whole life, those kind of things. Right. Yep. But when I, I'd say about, 12, 15 years ago, I started hearing this about, wouldn't it be better instead of having Social Security, you know, given that money to Social Security that we were able to invest that? So there's mm -hmm. pluses and minus to that. And what I mean by that is, if you're going to be your own financial counselor, that's difficult. And I think that's why we are not at that point. We're not at a point where the majority of the people can determine how and where that money needs to go to increase yeah. it. And, you know, maybe someday this country can get to that point, which I think we should mm -hmm. be able to get to that point. Um, but right now we're not at that point. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a great point that you brought up um, because you have two potential pitfalls there. One, you could have people that say, I'll opt out of social security, I'll invest my way. Yep. And then maybe they make poor investments. The other, even worse, is the one that says, I'll opt out of social security, and then I'll just spend that money. Absolutely. When you have that big segment now of the country that's saying, I got to retire, or I, I can't work anymore because I'm, I'm older or had a health issue or what have you, then what do we do as a country? You know, are we going to let that person out to dry? No, you know, that's not the American way. We're going to try and help them, but that comes at right. a cost. 
And it so it, it, it is difficult. There actually is a uh, almost like a pilot program of sorts. Um, I know with New York City, uh, for certain New York City employees, they can actually opt out of their FICA tax as long as they're contributing a certain amount to their retirement plan. Right. Um, so I don't know if there's other versions of that out there, but you are seeing a little glimpse of like, is there going to be an evolution where we kind of remove some of the responsibility of this massive government program and then, you know, say to the people, okay, it's on your shoulders now. That could be really good. That also could be really bad. So, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's a whole nother matter. <laughs> Absolutely. Both of my children are in their late thirties okay, and they both have the same type of conceptual idea when it comes to this retirement mm-hmm. mentality, right? When I was in my thir- late 30s, getting ready to retire from the Marine Corps and everything, I was like, I wasn't worried about any of that. I get Social Security, you know, it's just, you know, I'm going to have military retirement, the whole nine yards. Yep. So I, didn't, I didn't even think twice about it. But then as I retired, then I started realizing how the economy actually works, not necessarily how I want it to work, but mm-hmm. how it really works. And then I started understanding uh, what if, using the what if I do hit retirement age and I don't have Social Security, then yeah. what? So you, I think, uh, especially if you have children, you know, in their twenties and thirties, and and they've got a great job and employment and stuff. If if they're not investing and thinking about their future. Uh, I think they're they're not doing what is necessary to preserve themselves uh, when you get to my age and, and beyond. And that's yeah, hard for a lot of people to do, you know, because you want to have the Teslas, you want to have the big house and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But sometimes you got to realize that. Uh, have you ever heard of this term? I'm sure you have. You know how people say when you get a paycheck, right? You pay yourself first. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You pay yourself first. But when you're paying yourself, you pay yourself what you need. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you look at the chunk of what is left. Then you determine because you got to pay yourself first, got to pay your bills, you got to do all that. But then you yeah. got to look at the ability to take that financial money yeah. and invest it appropriately in different places. You can't do it in one place. I, I learned yeah. that. Years and years ago, you can't just go, oh, I'm just going to buy a bunch of gold. Be got, be good with it. Uh, it doesn't yeah. work that way. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. No, it's spot on. That's a, the oldest mantra in financial planning. Pay yourself first, you know, have that responsibility. That's key. You know, it, it, that's where I always kind of go back to basics. And then from there, we can evolve into, you know, kind of trying to get the most bang for our buck. Um, but it's important. I mean, it, and that's a lot of the stuff I speak about in my book. You know, again, what should I do with my money is the name of it. We go through some of the history of America and also other civilizations. And this whole idea of retirement, believe it or not, is a relatively novel idea. Uh, yeah. You know, if, if we go all the way up from all of mankind up through the 1800s, there yeah. was no such thing as retirement. It, Absolutely not. <laughs> you worked. And then if you got sick, you know, some family helped you out. And then that was it. You moved, you passed on. Yep. You know, it was really only after, you know, World War II 
that we created a lot of these programs, you know, most of them stemming out of the new deal, you know, that FDR mm-hmm. kind of was the architect of. And, and we, we love them. We've, we've benefited greatly. We've seen more enjoyment and more comforts out of life, but they come at a cost. And that's kind of the biggest thing is we need to recognize that and we need to be able to adapt because if we go back to social security in 1945, you know, when it was in its infancy, all right, the normal retirement age was 65. People at that time were living, you know, to 66 or 67. So you're, you had all these people putting in for a handful of people taking out maybe for a year or two. Then we fast forward now all the way to 2023. Okay. And now we've only moved the normal retirement age to 67. That's not much. And now everybody, you know, could be living into their eighties, maybe even their nineties and beyond. So that's where it's kind of like, we're reluctant to change or to let go of some of these. And if we don't, and we just make debt, the answer to it all, it's a, a tough thing, you know, to, to kind of uh, rein in. And I think that's right now you're seeing it front and center. That's what our country's dealing with. Absolutely. And the, the last thing I want to say about this is something that I learned and made a major impact when I was in the Marine Corps, I was enlisted, so I didn't get paid a lot of money. I don't care what anybody says. Mm-hmm. After 20 years, my last year in the Marine Corps, I was making $36,000 doing jobs of executives, you know, that kind of stuff. It's just, it's the military. It's the way it was. But what I learned from the military, talking to financial advisors in the military, it's very difficult for military to to save and or invest money. It Mm -hmm. just is. Got a family or whatever. But here's what I learned. I think it's important. We must understand how this works. You have a pot of money that comes in. You pay yourself. All right. Then you, you know, you got a car payment, you got a house payment, you got all these different credit card payments or whatever. What I learned is, is I got used to that. I got used to this car payment, the house payment and those kind of things. Right. What I was advised about was, all right, once your car's paid off, don't just go trade it in right? Take that money, which you're, you, you're giving away anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Now it becomes yours again. Now put that into some type of investment form, yep. right? Instead of just going to get a, a new car. And then if the car breaks down or whatever, you can pull necessary from savings or whatever to do that. That's what I learned. Yep. And a lot yep. of people don't understand how that process works. You know, it's exactly. called paying down bills and those kind of things. And that's what we, especially my age, people, you know, I, that I talk to that are like me, you know, they're so deep in debt and they're in their mm-hmm. 60s. And I'm just going, did you not understand this thing about <laughs> paying debt down? And, yeah, you know, no, they just keep living on the hog and go, OK, I just paid off my truck. I'll go, you know, I was paying three hundred fifty dollars a month. I'll go trade it in. Now I'm paying six hundred and forty dollars a month, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to think about those things. Definitely. You know, I think a lot of people, they fall into that habit of just like, I'll replace one bill with another. And right. that doesn't need to be the case. Like you said, you get rid of one bill. There's nothing saying you need a new one. Maybe now you can recapture that money for yourself, for your own benefit, kind of put yourself in the driver's seat. So I, I love that idea that you brought up. It's uh, it's key. And it goes back to just living within your means, 
being responsible and, you know, kind of what you ate out of, you know, having debt and just kind of living off the hog and whatnot in a perfect world that may work out. Maybe you just made it all work to the day you died. But it, lots of times, you know, life doesn't go as planned. And that's yeah. where situations go awry. And the only way to be prepared for that is to have planned ahead, have contingency plans in place. And that all starts with, you know, getting your financial house in order. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, when you get into your 60s and you're starting towards that retirement age, right? Mm -hmm. The industry is like, okay, you know, we need new blood. You know, we need to. And so you're you're getting involved in, into that world where you could lose your job overnight. And yep. if you're not prepared for that and understand that, it's it's going to be a detriment to your life. It is. It's true. So it's true. I mean, time's our greatest asset. So, um, you know, and I, I think any of your your younger listeners or listeners in the middle of their career or whatever, you gotta right. appreciate that, enjoy it, and say, okay, you know, I gotta take advantage of it. Um, because time just keeps going by. And and once we start to run out of it, it really starts to limit our options and it just makes things harder if we haven't been able to fix a problem already. Absolutely. Yeah. So well, Brian, I can't thank you enough. Absolutely. Uh, tell us about your book and tell us how this audience can reach out to you. Where do we go? Is there a website? Sure. You know, sure. Whatever. You on a, uh, you know, Twitter or Facebook yeah, or whatever. Definitely. LinkedIn, so, which I know you're on LinkedIn, but tell us yes, how sir. we can contact you. Yep. And so this is uh, the new book. I'll hold it up here. Anyone watching on video, it's called What, what Should, Should I Do, I with, do my money? with My Money? Yep. yep. It subtitles Economic Insights to Build Wealth Amid Chaos. Uh, it's a it's an entertaining read. Really learn a lot about economics, about finance, even some philosophy, frankly, of like why we do the certain things we do and how we're all on this world together and and we can make it work, even when sometimes the news makes it seem like the world's going to hell in a handbasket. So check it out. What should I do with my money? It's available paperback, uh, audiobook on Audible or Kindle wherever books are sold. So head to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever it'll be there. Uh, as for myself, you can go to Brian Kaderna, that's B-R-Y-A-N-K-U-D-E-R-N-A.com. And you can learn about, you know, my latest research and findings, uh, my blog. I have a weekly newsletter called Weekly Wealthy Wisdoms you could sign awesome. up for. And uh, on any social media, <laughs> just check out Kaderna, K-U-D-E-R-N-A, and you'll be able to find me. Awesome, sir. Thank you very much for what you do. It's very important. Financial advice, people that do this understand what's going on because I don't care if you're a rocket scientist. Finance is a whole different whole different world. Unless you understand how all that stuff works together, uh, your life is in jeopardy. Yep. Your family's in jeopardy. Uh, how do how are we going to deal, you know, with uh, the government, you know, 30 something trillion in debt, those kind of mm -hmm. things. What's going to happen? And the last thing I want to say is, you know, a lot of my listeners and people I talk to, they're concerned about this. Is the dollar no longer going to be, you know, where they're going to switch over to China or Russia or whatever? So I'm like, look, you guys are you're reaching you know, you're, you're, you're putting fear in your mind. Yep. You need to get back down to earth and just <laughs> focus on little things, you know, your yep. little saving. Don't worry about what's happening in this because you can't control it anyway. So exactly. Yeah. I think I always... that book that you have is probably going to help people 
to I understand so. it, how to, you know, stay in my little world, yep. understand what's happening up here, but understand what I got to do to to take care exactly. of my family. Yep. I, I never seen anyone, you know, yield the benefit out of panicking. So don't yep. panic. Don't freak out. Uh, America, in my opinion, is still the best place in the world to be. Absolutely. Um, so love it, but there's nothing saying it's got to stay that way forever. So you got to also try and, you know, contribute to our future. And that's hopefully the book can help people do that as well. Yeah. Well, the best way I can explain it, when I was in the Marine Corps, we had a unit and we went out, did combat thing or whatever, but we always had reserves. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So you always had the reserves behind you where stuff got, you know, really bad and you, you know, spent a lot of time then you could be pulled off the line and then you got fresh people. It's the same type of mindset. You know, you got to have the reserves yep. uh, financially wise to make sure that if you lose that job or you get disabled or whatever it is, that you yep. can reach back to the reserves and do it. Exactly. I appreciate, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you, bud. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thanks for your service. And, and I hope the listeners appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, I'll get back with you. and. Anything I can do, if you want to come back later, we can always do that and take care of yourself and go get his book, especially (laughs) if you have no idea what's going on financially wise. I guarantee you, Brian gets it. He knows it. He's been doing it and he's going to help you. Thank you very much. Thank you. For the flag and let's all ring the liberty bell Let's make a Ford and a Chevy It'll still last ten years like the should The best of the free life is still yet to come The good times ain't over for good